Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. <laughs> Welcome to the booth. Maybe and we're not supposed to do this, but maybe you should. And everyone's saying, "Quit talking about the booth." But <laughs> just because we're gonna we're gonna just go against our critics. What are you What are you seeing right now? What What you're You're in the booth with us. Oh, I love the booth. I see two guys that look like they're moving furniture for the day. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, what, Thanks what, what do you mean? Like, what, what are we wearing right now? What's yeah, the... T-shirts, jeans, socks, and. I actually brought my Simples. shorts uh, today. Did I, you? Thought, I thought we'd need because usually on a hot day, uh, outside it becomes there's a sauna. It just turns yeah. into a sauna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so people are entirely sick of hearing about the booth. Complaining the booth. about the booth. So, so now it's become <laughs> funny for us. But we have Jeff Roach in with us, and uh, Jeff actually walked down from his office. I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Um, dealt with some family matters that he told us that we yeah. won't we won't talk about. Uh, and but it was a big, great father. And um, and the reason well, why don't you introduce yourself to us, um, just in terms of who you are. And really what you're doing now, because what you're doing is very cool. And our listeners can get a lot of value from, well, Greg and I have, uh, and uh, you know, just your perspective on um, social media, hmm. um, getting a message out, you know, all yeah. these things. So we'll, we'll throw it over to you for the intro. Typically okay. we do it, but we're just going to change it up. That's a really philosophical question you lobbed at me in the intro. <laughs> Who am I? I'm a St. John business guy, and uh, my company, Sociological, we... Um, we work with companies to embed social media tools and practices into their operations, but we kind of break it down into four main things that we look at for every client or potential client. Strategy, training, content, and measurement. In 2014, training is one of the key things. A lot of people think that we're an education company. We're not. We just simply want our clients to know what the heck it is that we're proposing to do for them. So we want them to understand what social media is doing to business so that they know the steps that we're about to take with them. And who, who, like, can you give an example of uh, the types of clients you'd have? Um, it, it, will, it would really range. We work sometimes just with executives. So we do, um, our format would be similar to what you do, Dave, although we're not coaching, we're not doing executive coaching. We would work one-on-one with executives to help them understand what it is they might expect their teams to do or they might expect their marketing departments to do. It's really starting to get hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to larger teams. So, like, we worked with Hemming Sos a couple of years ago where we trained 12 of their staff and helped prepare them for what they were going to do next. And it, it was it was fantastic because uh, even a few years ago, um, like, we, we, we now feel that Twitter and Facebook and the, and the whole going social is, uh, it's been around forever. No. I mean, when Jeff and team were working with Hemming's House, Maybe it was three years ago, and the concept of even getting the whole team speaking the same language on on social was it was it was it was eyebrow raising. It was like some people just didn't get it, and that mm. was only two or three years ago. So yeah. it's amazing to see where this has has gone in a few years. And Jeff has always been uh, a proponent and a pioneer in the space. And uh, I think a great place for us to start this is uh, by starting with your tagline. It's, it's a oh, share thing. A share thing. Yeah. So 
or a a share thing, not yeah. its, but a oh, it's share. It's like thing. a play on a sure thing. It's it's, it's a share thing. It's a sure thing. <laughs> it's a sure thing. Jeff, talk about the definition of share, because we're our audience um, is mostly entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't even make that assumption. We don't know that. We got no bloody clue. We think, <laughs> we think, because we really do push, push this podcast yeah. towards the entrepreneurial market. Um, but the word share today is 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 a word that is so critical in business. Where ten years ago, the word share might not have any relevance. What, well, yeah, it really comes like advertising. No one cares about your advertisements. They don't, you know, they don't care about that stuff anymore. So if you're not telling your stories from the inside of your company to the outside of your company, then you're not, sh- there's nothing to give. So that's what you're sharing. So you're sharing the stories that your company has to tell, the advice that you have to give, the perspective that you have on what you do. Um, so that's what social media is. It's like this lobbing back and forth of people sharing things with each other, perspectives, opinions, insight, knowledge, like that's really what it is. And if you're not sharing things with others, there's no social happening, really. What, what are you finding is like most misunderstood about the social space? The most mis- misunderstood thing is that it's a new advertising channel. Okay. And tell most us. companies still think of it that way. And even when they, sometimes the light bulb turns on and then it dims a little bit, right? Like companies will get it and then they'll sometimes lose it uh, because you go back to old habits, right? It's just what you know. So you... Uh, companies will me- want to measure things like an advertisement. So they want to know, they'll set goals like, we want this many likes on Facebook. And I can't even tell you how, how irrelevant that measurement is right now. Likes on Facebook. Uh, Facebook doesn't even show your content to the people that like your Facebook page anymore. Right? It's less than 1% of people that will actually see what you post on your page. So that measurement is really flimsy. Hmm. But people want to measure, so they don't know what to measure. So I could get into more detail about that, but really to answer your question, it's that misunderstanding that you, what you're doing on social media is posting the messages that you would normally put on a billboard or in a newspaper. That's the wrong way and to that, go. And that's, <clears throat> that goes against the whole concept of social. So mm. let's rewind a little bit. Um, I'm not too sure who coined the word social media, but let's think about that. Traditional media, newsprint, radio, television, um, <clears throat> you know, had, it, had its, its heyday, uh, et cetera. Then something shifted, and that shift was this interconnection through the web. Uh, so, uh, you know, the very roots of this thing was social connectivity through digital lines, you know. So where do you think it, it pivoted to get away from social? And people started to think that this is actually a, a great opportunity to be a billboard, which we now know doesn't work because it's a, it's a social... I don't think there was ever a switch, Greg. I think that they just approached it with that lens, with the, that point of view. So... Um, you know, I've used this example many times before. I had a, a client come up to me or a potential client come up to me a couple of years ago, and I've probably told you this before, just in the coffee shop downstairs and said, Jeff, I, last year I spent $26,000 on my, on marketing and it didn't bring a single person through my door. I don't know what to do. So that person and almost every other person, most of our clients come to us with a marketing problem. And I think that social media is bigger than just a marketing tool. It's uh, it covers more than just marketing, but most people come to us with a marketing problem because they're fi- that's where they're feeling the pain first. So that business person and most others will take that $26,000 and they'll find a way to do, they'll, they'll be looking to find a way to do the same thing that they were doing w- through these other channels on social media because it's just the natural, it's what they know, it's, what they, it's how they think. So they may not have ever got the message about this being social. In fact, 
that's another thing to answer your original question, Dave. That's another fundamental thing about social media is that there are a lot of businesses that don't want to be social. When you tell them, if you're going to use social media, you need to talk to people and listen to people. And it, there's a surprising number of companies that say, I don't want to talk to my customers. I don't want to hear from my customers. I just want to make my product and have people buy my product. And so it really changes things. It complicates things. Is there... Uh are we at a point now where those type of businesses are going the way of the dodo bird and <laughs> becoming dinosaurs? Or are we always going to see those type of businesses find their niche and plug away? It almost feels like there's a new standard now, however, where we do need that human connection uh, of cell phones ringing and podcasts, for example. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm being a total, total meanie. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, do is there, is there a new rule, uh, kind of a, a, a new law of doing business in a social way? It feels to me that, yeah, there is, but I'm, I'm, I might be speaking totally um, ignorantly here, but like we, are, are, do we as a society now expect brands to be communicating back and forth to us? Like, is it detrimental if we don't do that? It is. It's an evolution. It's actually a people evolution. Uh, people need to see things differently because people make up companies, right? And it takes time for people to to get this stuff. The real frustration comes in companies where um, a fairly junior person understands what needs to be done, but the senior people don't. And that can be really frustrating. And I get calls from people all the time like that saying, how do I convince my boss that we need to do it this way instead of that way? Right? So that's... um, there's some cultural disruption, but that the you know there are pressures that are causing companies to change. For one thing, it's very difficult to hire millennials if you're not thinking this way. If you're not morphing into a social business, it's very hard to hire young people. So there are other pressures that are moving this, but it is an evolution. I think that the, what's pushing it is the marketplace. The marketplace wants to be socialized with. So um, an investment advisor client of mine a couple of years ago explained to me how things had changed so fast for them. Like in a period of about two years, it went from, you know, most of his colleagues would um, would follow the traditional methods where you'd print up something, a brochure or a card, you'd mail it off, to, you'd buy a list from someone, you'd mail off that brochure to a thousand people, and then you'd just spend the next few weeks calling people up and asking them if they wanted to invest with you. And he said, it's almost now in, uh, in just a couple short years, that method is actually offending clients because it's like... Um, it's like trying to jump into bed with someone when you just met them, right? They expect that you'd get to know them, that you'd go for coffee, that you'd spend some time explaining how you do things spend like that. Spend a couple of dollars on a nice glass of wine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that um, the the marketplace expects relationship. That's what it. That's what people want. And you like I've uh, I have. Uh read a number of your blog posts mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I just think really interesting perspective, right? <clears throat> so I'd like to rewind a little bit and figure out, you know, and understand how did you get here? Like how did I get yeah, here? Yeah. Hmm. Like what like like what was I mean, um, I know you had a well I won't say anything that I know, but you know, like what's the evolution of Jeff Jeff Roach and how you know, and you started sociological a couple, what, three years ago, maybe yep. four, you know, and three and a half years. Yeah. Ago. And then, and you know, and there, and like with any startup, there's, you, you find your voice, you figure out what you do, you, you, you evolve. Right. Yep. And, and, um, and it's really neat to see, uh, 
it slowly gained traction, probably slower than you want, like all any business, <laughs> right? Like I know Greg and I can relate to that. But yet you haven't given up. You have a, intre- a very interesting, uh, educated perspective that I think um, that's why we wanted you on here. But, but how did you get here? That's what I'm curious about. Um, well, I, I evolved too. Remember, I think it was 2003, 2004, I got on LinkedIn. I don't remember which year it was. It was quite a while ago. I got on LinkedIn and I struggled for almost a year wondering whether I should put my photo on there because this social network wants you to put your photo on there. And we didn't do that in 2003, 2004. We just didn't put our, you know, it wasn't common to find, to see your own face on the internet. And um, I struggled with that and wondered whether I should and then finally put my photo on there and boldly put myself there. But I was... um, I was an entrepreneur back in Vancouver. I started a, a health, private healthcare company in 1995, and uh, I started with 100 bucks. And you know, we the company—it's a long story—but I finally got a job in my field, and the company went bankrupt a month later, and our apartment burned down the night before. And I went to my girlfriend at the time, and I said, "I'm going to start a business tomorrow. With, I'm going to take 100 bucks." And she said, "Well, 100 bucks is a lot of money right now for us." I said, "I I can't keep working with people that." can't run companies and go bankrupt and treat me poorly. So I took a hundred bucks and I went to New Westminster and I got a business license. And then I drove up to North Vancouver and I got a BC tell pager. So I had a phone number and then I had about 10 bucks left and I made a bunch of posters and put them up around UBC and got my first few clients that way. And then, you know, it's, I like telling the story, but it's longer story, but the, the first few clients I got were really key to growing the company. But one of the things I did was, um, one of my early clients was the director of IT for Seagate Software Worldwide. And he had, um, he had a geek working for him who turned, who's turned into a long-term friend of mine. Um, and he taught me how to build a website. So in 1995, 1996, I taught myself how, myself how to build a website and I made myself look like a big company. And I went after and won the contract to do all the fitness testing for the BC Yukon district for the Canadian forces. And so that was the thing that kind of launched it. And so I very early on with the web, I fell in love with marketing online and building a reputation online. So I was with a company called Propel ICT here. I was the first executive director of that organization. So we start, we were setting out to start a movement of, you know, starting new companies, 32 companies in 36 months. Uh, launch 32, we called it at the time. And so at that time, the word startup, no one ever used that term around here. Um, investors didn't even know what an angel network was. So we educated the investment market on what it meant to network with each other. Unfortunately, a new network just was just born in Halifax that same year. But social media was starting to emerge. And so I just saw this as a, um, these as tools that I could leverage to do something big with very little resources. And so that's how I kind of threw myself into it. And then, well, and then, and then you, <clears throat> I mean, you, so it's, it's been this evolution in this. And what's interesting about that is that helps uh, frame your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You know, from the infancy, really. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that, that, that back piece around the website and stuff in Vancouver. Yeah. I knew a little bit about the Vancouver thing. So here's what I'm hearing in all this is you have um, constantly needed in every phase to educate. And you're, and you, and there's a steep learning curve for, uh, and it's actually, I can, I can relate to this on the coaching side, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because what I see out there and I'm guess I'm gathering, I would be surprised if we don't see the same thing, but I mean, from a coaching perspective, I'm seeing a massive need, but they don't know that they necessarily need coaching. Mm-hmm. And so our job becomes, how do we help 
um, educate the market yeah. that, you know, there's this thing called coaching that can actually facilitate and support you. And it's one of many things, but it's a very legitimate, you know, thing and has a lot of rigor, you know, mm-hmm. and all yep. these things. So where are you in that whole, where, I guess, where's the market and how are you trying to educate the market? Well, like my wife has said for years, I love this thing. I, I always come back to it. There's a bell curve to everything, right? So um, somewhere along the bell curve is our sweet spot, like any other company. There are a lot of companies that will come to us because they tried this on their own. It's kind of like the early days of the web. The, in the beginning, companies, the, the early adopters, the ones on the, on, on the, outlier, on the outside, outer edge of the bell curve, they built their own websites. And they were often really ugly and terrible websites. Often, not always, but every business would try to build their own website or they'd sign up for you know a, one of these canned services. And then after a while, after they got frustrated, they would realize that they, that they needed to hire someone. It take, took some time before they realized it because the web, um, the web, social media, those are all things that we, you know, in our social discussions, our private discussions, we'll talk about how anyone can do it, right? Anyone can sign up for Facebook. Anyone can get a Twitter account. It takes five minutes to get a Twitter account. Um, so when they start to use it, then there's some frustration for a lot of them. Some people are really natural at it, and some people don't need help from guys like me at all. Um, but a lot of people, they'll try it, and they'll use it in the way that they that they think they should or, or in a way that's kind of framed by a, a previous way of communicating, and then it doesn't achieve any results. Like, it doesn't... They've spent a lot of time on it, which is money, really. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time on it trying to figure it out. No one's paying attention to what they're saying, and they get frustrated, and that's when they come to us. Um, the education really comes down to like, you know, nine out of every 10 potential clients that sit in front of me, they don't know what they need. They don't know, um, what it should cost. They don't know who can provide it. They really don't know. It's not like a service, uh, like accounting. Whereas if you need to have your taxes done, you know, to go to an accountant and generally how much it should cost, unless there are some complications, um, people have no sense of what they need with this. So the education has been around like us, you know, what I said at the beginning, strategy, training, content, and measurement, even that is a revelation to most people that talk to me, that they should pay attention to, to you know, what is your strategy? Are your people ready? Uh, how are you going to measure this? And then where are you going to get this content that you're going to share with the world as time goes on? Those four questions most companies don't have at the tip of their brain is that this is how we step forward with this stuff. And Jeff, you're, uh, you've expanded uh, your, your company around the world, in fact, because you are a flat world company. You're a digital company. You can have clients anywhere in the world and uh, get everybody on a, on a Google Hangout and, uh, and, and do, your, uh, <clears throat> do what you do best. Yeah. Um, maybe talk on that a little bit because I know you're, you're doing a little bit of work in Dubai. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about a lot of the local entrepreneur guests we've had on the show is they are making an international dent because of the web in a lot of cases. Yeah. You know, um, and we can we could do some pretty uh, interesting things globally from a small area like this. Yeah. And maybe talk talk to us a little bit about that uh, being a virtual company, you know, a company that doesn't need an office space, even yeah. though you have one. But you know, it's yeah. uh, like you 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 live on, in the social world and uh, you operate on the web. What, what's it like uh, being able to grab the whole, the whole world market? Uh, it just means that geography isn't a barrier. I mean, a small business can't service every market in the world. You know, we would like to eventually, and growth is required for that. But what it really comes down to is if there's interest in a different part of the world, it's really no different than interest from the other side of town. Um, everything that we deliver, we can deliver remotely. So 
coaching, uh, advice, content, pretty much everything we can deliver remotely. Um, what's interesting about the question that you're asking, Greg, is that even though we can work with the world, um, we've actually chosen an agent model. So you mentioned uh, the Middle East. So Kuwait is our city. So we've got an agent partner, the Kilma Media Company there. So they're a traditional marketing agency that wanted to bring in these digital services. So they're our agent in Kuwait servicing the GCC and, like you mentioned, Dubai, that whole region. So we we learned in the last couple of years that um, for the audience that we're trying to help, it's hard to find us on the web because if they were good at finding help from people like us, they wouldn't need us so much, right? So we know that we need those existing relationships that exist in local markets. So in the same way that we gain a lot of business here locally because people know us as people, um, we know that we're going to grow better if we've got a presence in that market where people know people, right? There are, there are issues in the Kuwait market that we couldn't understand in Canada. So there's a, there's a different politics, there's a different approach to various products and services and how they're regarded in that culture that we can't know. Also, sense of humor is very cultural, culturally um, specific, right? What we find funny here or humorous or entertaining or endearing can be very different in a different culture. So we have to have a presence there or else we're really, we're really not going to do much. So we've got, um, we're talking with other potential agents and we've got one that we're very close to signing on probably in early 2015 um, in a different part of the world. But the relationship that we're building is with that company that has a relationship in the market and that's where we're that's where we're looking to grow. Oh, well, so let's maybe shift the conversation a little bit um, to, you know, like you're talking about growth. Heat. Heat. <laughs> so we knew at some point, and Greg took a picture of, you, of Jeff, uh, who's now <laughs> peeled off his shirt. And yes, I know we're not supposed to talk about what's happening in here, but it is kind of comical to watch. And you're looking a little flushed, which is pretty funny. Well, I'm, no oxygen I'm, I'm used to it. More. I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah. So this is where we wear you down, and then we ask yeah, you some yeah, real yeah, zingers. Media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone can do it. Let me out of here. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I want to hear a little bit about the entrepreneurial journey because that's a really, you know, to find the agents, um, you know, in the Middle East and, you know, the work you've been doing and, you know, just like what are some lessons and that not, has nothing to do with social media necessarily, right? But just, you know, what does it take to, to get a startup going? Because you sat on the other side, right? Yeah. As the as the executive director, you know, supporting and then all of a sudden you're the one launching, yeah. right? Well, I was it before and I was it after and I really that's felt true. like Good I point. was it in the middle of it. Okay. The difference being the executive director of Propel. It was an entrepreneurial role, but I had a board to report to. Um, and what I've learned from that is how important a board is. Okay. Right? Like uh, entrepreneurs need boards. Yeah. They need advisors. Right. And that so was, you have that one, was one right of, now. That was one of the less. I've got many. Okay. Um, advisors, not boards. No advisors, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, multiple boards. Yeah. So, so yeah, lesson lesson learned in this new venture. Like what? The what, thing that I would say most, and I like a lot of the things that I would have to say about entrepreneurship may come across as cliche, or maybe they're just cliche to me because I've been in that world for so long, I hear things so much, but it is the loneliest thing you'll ever do. Hmm. So even when you've got other people around you, it still feels like this comes down to me. Uh, it's also really rewarding too, though, as you know. Um, when you get a new client, when you get a new customer, as an entrepreneur, it feels like a compliment to you personally, right? It's, it really charges you up. Even small small clients, it's like somebody says, I'm, you're worth giving money Someone to. Someone believes in me. Someone believes in me, exactly. So I'm on the right path. At least for the, with that person, I'm on the right track. I'm giving them what they're looking for. So that's very rewarding. Um, the things, there are some fears that I have. The thing is that 
no, no one's good at everything in a company. And so I'm stepping into some new, new territory in the next year that um, I don't have any skills in. I don't manage people well. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I've never really done a lot of that. And I'm afraid of it. Um, so when I need to start hiring more in the, in the new year. So we've, we've grown mostly with contractors. We've got seven contractors that we would hire on a fairly regular basis. But we're going to have to get into people who are more involved with the company and uh, take more ownership of what we're doing. And so I'm not looking forward to that. And I know that I'm going to have to rely on other people who are good at that to do that for us. Well, as Greg says, most of our audience that we don't know if they are or not, entrepreneurs. Yep. Um, tell me about, uh, tell us about the lonely moments and what gets you through them. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I think it's just daylight that gets you through them. There are a lot of really dark nights. Um, <laughs> since we started the company, there have been at least three or four times where I wondered how we were going to pay the bills. That's a really frightening thing. And I went through that in Vancouver as well with our company. We had a really tough cash crunch and those are probably the most frightening times. Um, the other things that keep me up at night, like I feel, you know, today in December 2014, I feel like there are, there are so many opportunities available to us that are really good, and they're all really good, and the thing that's limiting them is my time. So there are only so many hours in the day. I've got a two-year-old son that I've prioritized my time around. That's where I want to be as much as I love my company. Um, you know, the two hours I have with him in the morning and the two hours I have with him in the evening before he goes to bed, I'm... I just, I stop everything to do that. Sacred time. Yeah, it's sacred time. And I know that not everyone shares those values or would prioritize things that way. But I have two older kids. And um, so this is my second time around. And I know it's kind of probably my last time around. I'm at a stage in life where I appreciate it more than I may have when I was younger in my 20s. And so I just, the business may may fizzle, but I'm, I've got him forever. So Jeff, do, do you, uh, have you read the E-Myth? No, I haven't. I have. I have it on my shelf. Okay. Well, listen, I, I, uh, <laughs> David. Richard I've been... Jones recommended it to me a couple of years ago, and I never got to read it. Well, uh, David and I just uh, interviewed Commander Hatfield, and I, I was laughing because I just finished reading his book, but I was completely lying because I just finished listening to his book. You know, <laughs> I don't read books anymore, but it's because I drive so much, yeah. and it's great to listen to books. I am halfway through the E Myth right now, and I strongly recommend you listen or read it. Did you read it, uh, Dave? No. Okay. And the E-Myth um, is a, phenomen a phenomenal resource for all entrepreneurs. E stands for entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And what it suggests <clears throat> that most businesses that we know of today, most small businesses, are actually not founded by entrepreneurs. What an interesting co uh, concept. We all assume, oh, you've got a small business, you're an entrepreneur. No. The E-Myth is saying, uh, statistically, the entrepreneur is actually a, te a technician. There's three different types of people uh, within a business to make a business work. You've got the entrepreneur visionary, you've got the technician, and you've got the manager. Now, one person may have the skills to do all three. Like, you know, the three of us could do all three. But the second you put your, your foot into two of those roles or more, you fail. Mm -hmm. End of story. So what's happening with you, Jeff, is you are a technician. Okay? You are a technician of uh, uh, of the web, of, of, of social, uh, etc., and um, as an entrepreneur, someone needs to grow the business, you are finding conflict for, for time because an entrepreneur visionary really does have the, the opportunity to work on the business, not in it. And they do have the ability to control the hours of their life, to spend time with, uh, with baby Jude, etc. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as you have to be the guy writing the blogs, you know, uh, inspiring the clients 
and still be the visionary and see how you're going to grow that business, things start to fall apart. And I've always known that, but it was never really articulated until I started reading this book. Mm -hmm. Um, So what it's suggesting is every technician business that starts eventually is going to need to make a hire. Oftentimes it's a it's a, a bookkeeper or you know uh, mm-hmm. you know or, or the next technician and then th- at that point that technician has to become the visionary entrepreneur and step away uh, but then who's going to manage you've got people now so y- y- your your company just naturally grows and we've all done it we've all grown companies everybody in this room I've hired contractors to meet those needs that you're talking about right. to date right. right? Uh, so I, I don't want to give the impression that I do everything myself. And we've right. hired out for people to help create content and things like that. But we. Um, but you're seeing yourself. In I place. need someone yeah. now who has ownership, who takes ownership. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether that means shares or not. That's not my point. I mean, someone who really owns this, someone who I can dump my perspective into and can start running with some of that. And you are a classic entrepreneur. Like you are a visionary, you are a grower, a builder, uh, you know, a business developer. And the three of us are as well. The funny thing is the three of us in this room, we're also three technicians. And the three of us built our business as technicians first, mm. not as, you know, so, you know, we know a few people, you know, Wayne Chamberlain is an example. Like he, he's, he's the guy that builds business. Doesn't matter what the vertical is. He'll just build the business. That's a different type of mindset mm-hmm. than the technician builder, you know? Yeah. So it's a good read, very relevant to what we're talking mm. about here. And oftentimes, if you listen to the podcast, Jeff, you'll, you'll notice that we will start a conversation and then it opens up to whole new re- revelations, you know? Uh, it's like a Saturday night, late Saturday night conversation. Except where's the scotch? Where's the hot tub? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. We're in a sauna. A little stat that goes with what you were saying. I remember re- uh, reading about this when I was with Propel that, um, is, is, uh, you know, I think it was focused more on technology companies, but less than 10% of companies, by the time they reach profitability, have the creator, inventor in a leadership position. Wow. 90 per- 90, crazy. 90% of companies, if they're ever going to reach profitability, they, that creator's got to give ownership over to someone else or it's not going to ever get there. That's an so amazing statistic. Yeah. Okay, so based on that, let's talk about the future. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> yeah. what, what, what can your clients and followers and you know people that generally want to see you succeed and you know uh, famously, what can we <laughs> expect? Um. Well, I'm going to continue to pay attention to how the trends are changing. And one of the biggest uh, biggest issues in the last year, year and a half, has been advertising on social media. Um, we knew that this was going to be important, and companies have been spending money. But now, companies are faced with: Do we actually continue investing ourselves in a platform like Facebook, where there is zero value now, unless you're spending money? Facebook's now made it so you you pay for for any kind of out, outcome that you want that you hope to get there. Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the things that they need to consider and they're being hit in both sides are, are, you know, our clients or the big chunk of the market that's still in that uh, space where they're not quite sure what they're going to do with this, with social media or how to grow their companies with it. They're faced with that issue is we don't have a strategy. We don't know how to do it. We don't have the training. We, they don't have those core components and yet Facebook wants money from them. So for a small business, it's do I give money to someone to help me figure this out or do I give money to Facebook just because... I have no presence there unless I do. So that's been one of the newer issues, and we'll continue to watch those new issues. I think when I started the company three and a half years ago, I thought maybe this company has a 10-year lifespan, right? Because after 10 years, everyone will have figured it out, and it's fine. Um, I'm starting to think that that's probably a lot longer than I expected. Mm. Um, Three and a half years later, I don't see companies a lot further along. And even the ones that are further along, we see a a lot more opportunity to help the ones that get it. It's like the ones who get it, 
they've they've um, they've done well with social media, um, and their companies are growing as a result of it. It's there's a lot more that we can do with these people. Now we can start talking about actually measuring things, mm-hmm. actually tracking what they're doing on social media and relating it to sales. I mean, when companies are new to this stuff, you can't even talk to them about what social media is going to do to their sales. The most you can do is how do we get you on social media so that your reputation doesn't tank for not being there or for fumbling the ball when you use it, right? That's the that's the pain that you're solving for a lot of companies, whereas the ones that, that are past that, now we can start doing some really neat stuff. So so as for the listeners, that uh, so let's say they got a website, they have a Twitter handle, right? Maybe they have a bit of a presence, Facebook, and they have a LinkedIn profile. What would your advice be for them just to get a sense of how you know, how evolved they are in the social space? Well, the what it really comes down to is influence. And so we would measure their influence. And that way we have a sense of where they're at right now. And how do you do that? Uh, we use tools. We've got a great uh, Canadian company called Measurely that we use for some of it. Um, but we can look at, you know, what is influencing their market, what's influencing their brand. Often for a lot of companies, it's nothing because there's not enough social activity to really show much of anything. So you might be starting from scratch with some companies, but it's leading them to understand that that's what you're actually doing is your social media influences, right? You're actually, you're in, you're joining or building a community in which you influence and you identify other influencers. One of the hardest things for companies to accept is that um, for most businesses, the greatest influencers of their brand aren't even in their company. They have no control over them. They're not receiving a paycheck from that company, but they're actually influencing their brand more than anyone else. And so how do you build relationships with those influencers? Because your brand depends on it. So there's, um, so for companies that are, ju- that are, you know, like you, to answer your question, for them to get started, it would be to look at who do you want to influence and how are you currently influencing? And then take the, st- take some steps from there. But you need to know that first. Hmm. And like what, and so what's involved in that? Like just, you know, because this is the, this is the part that I think is missing in the conversation. Yeah or in the social space, right, is one of the tactical things that we can do to start understanding. Well, so you're saying baseline. Yeah. Let's get a baseline. Yeah. So what? So what's involved in that? Well, if, some, if, so, sometimes the jargon throws people off. So um, you would know who your influencers are, or you'd have a sense for who they are. So if I ask you who your, influ- your influencers are, you might not identify it using those terms, right? But if I said, Dave, uh, describe for me the person that buys your service, or describe for me the person that leads to others buying your service, then that's then we're getting to the answer to the question. You may not have thought about them as influencers, but mm-hmm. if you said it's this type of executive working for this kind of a company, um, maybe even dealing in this type of an industry, I don't know. But when you know who that audience is, then you can say, what is your presence in with that audience? Because we can analyze that, right? We can look at search terms. We can look at hashtags. We can analyze communities on the web. And we can say, what is Vision Coaching's presence in that in that audience? And then you can look at what content is actually influential in that space and start reading into what it is your target audience is interested in. So now you can start creating content and conversation and participating in that community mm-hmm. and having influence over that community because you know that it, having a strong reputation leads to sales of your company. Um, but that's re- really what it comes down to. And most entrepreneurs, most business owners know who their influencers are. They just don't think about them that way. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then what, Jeff? Like, uh, I think uh, at, at that point, <clears throat> we're talking about content. Mm-hmm. So whether it's putting out a really uh, informative blog or a white paper or any type of content that your influencers may consume, and that's, I, I, we totally understand that. Mm-hmm. 
how do you take it further? Like, is it about actually having that personal dialogue between people or yeah. is it just about content marketing, like putting yeah. content out there to attract attention to your brand? Like, uh, what's the tactical day-to-day uh, purpose of this? The, yeah. ta- the day-to-day purpose? Yeah, it's like, I mean, we're talking about connecting people. It's to be present. So yeah. let's look, uh, right now, we're December 2014. It's the Christmas season, right? There's a lot of social activity going on. There's Christmas uh, parties happening. Businesses host Christmas parties. And really what it's about is uh, having t- having contact with people that we haven't seen in a while, right? That's We go to those parties for people. Why else would we go to these parties? Um, and that's really, social media is just more of that all year round. It's not letting people forget about you. Letting them know what you're up to, letting them know what you can do for them, but without it being a sales job, right? If Dave is just Dave, right? Dave's sharing what's on his mind, what he's thinking, what he's reading, who he's talking to. But more importantly, he's listening to what other people are thinking and doing and who they're talking to and participates in their conversations. No one's ever going to forget Dave. And over time, he's going his unique perspective is going to make an impression on the people that he socializes with. And that's all going to come back and, and be worn by the, by the Vision Coaching brand. That's fantastic. I, I think that's. I, I like how you're branding Vision Coaching right now. By the way, so keep keep doing that. because like, there was um, there was a comment made earlier about uh, uh, well, well, the person will remain nameless, uh, but works for Greg Hemmings said you know about Greg's podcast, and I thought oh, I thought this is a collaboration, so I'm really enjoying the. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was Sean Waterall. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was and it was a funny comment. It was we were, I had fun with it. Um, so how do people? Um, <clears throat> How do people learn more about you? Um, and you know, and there's a reason we have you on here because you're, you're you're you are producing, I think, very relevant content. I know for me as an entrepreneur, as a coach, and someone who wants to have more influencers, I haven't done enough work with you. Um, but you know, you don't necessarily have to work with you to to benefit from your your wisdom and your knowledge. So how so tell listeners how they can Thanks. learn more about you and, and interact with you and talk to you and engage with you so they can they can benefit or reap the benefits. Well I've tried to make that as easy as possible. And that's one of the biggest pieces of, of advice I have for anyone in business is make it really easy for people to talk to you. So sociological.com, you'll find every channel to connect with us on. And can you spell that, Jeff? Because it's a yeah, it's just the, it's the two words put together. So sociological. So you got the two L's in the middle. Um, so sociological.com, and then jeffroach.ca is my about.me page. It's got every place to connect with me. J e f f. Yep. J e f f r o a c h. R o a c h. Which spells yep. Roach? Yes. It does, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, so at, at this point of the uh, of the evening, we talk. We. <laughs> See, you know what's funny? We <laughs> we lost oxygen a while ago. Well, right? Greg, Greg does. I can I can see like I I get cracks up. I can see Greg totally slowly it's, wilting. It's when the hands go to the I'm wall. I'm just glad you guys didn't eat bean burritos. Oh time. my god. <laughs> well, well, I don't know what Greg ate, but he's, he's we're we're very close right now. So, um, but but he, so so he's getting the oxygen deprivation yeah. is happening right now. Just bring tanks in. Like uh, oh yeah, that's a good that's idea. That's the next time. Yeah, what's the, na- what's Again, the name of the studio, by the way? The <laughs> Boiling Point Studio. <laughs> Is that what you call well, it? Yeah, Boiling yeah, Point. Yeah, no it was, kidding. It was, it was episode no two. Kidding. David Alston. David Alston. He was in here, and we were talking about count the hot box, and nobody yeah. liked that idea for some weird reason. I like the infill. Uh, it's like a infill, little skin skinny building. It feels like a sauna others. as yeah. well. And then uh, Alston said, "Guys, I think we've reached the boiling point." And here, and I, was, I, I think you said there that's it. it. There we <laughs> go. So at this point in the boiling point podcast, we do some takeaways of our guest. Typically, we hang up and we go and we just 
go and talk about them. But we're going to have you sit here and listen to our takeaways from your talk. Okay. Are you okay that with that? That sounds really cool. Because yeah. we want you yeah. to suffer along with no, us no, a little I like longer. That. I like <laughs> that. I can't help, buddy. Listen, um, by the way, yeah. if, boy, if that's the what's behind the boiling point, I don't think there's anything wrong with you guys complaining about how damn hot it is in here. That's part I, of the brand, you, thank really. You, thank you. It's thank part you. of the brand. Are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> a few of you out there who have given us a hard time. It's part of the brand. Yeah. So maybe that's why we're continuing to take it. Well, it's, it's, it's natural because... It's almost comical how hot it gets in here. And, yeah. like, how do you not talk about it? Especially if I start losing oxygen and I'm going like this. Well, wait, if, you get, uh, if you're getting delirious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That changes the quality uh, yeah. of the program. Exactly. So as the interviews progress, <laughs> the quality shifts for sure. Although this was a high-quality one. Yeah, high-quality. Uh, on Jeff's part. Um, <laughs> so for, for you, what couple well, takeaways? I, I love the – number one, I am a uh, – I've been blessed to uh, – uh, exchange a lot with Jeff. He's really mentored and coached me a lot through uh, through my social walk, uh, if, if you will, with Hemings House. Uh, I know for me, it's a never ending process. Like you don't you don't get social and then you're done. You, you continue and continue and continue. I go through seasons of blogging. Like I might blog every day for a week, and then I might go for two months without. Like there's so much uh, I could do so much better. But that's the point. I don't think you're ever gonna reach. And it, it, this stuff is evolving so quickly, and there's new uh, tools in the market that are connecting people so much. How do I, as an entrepreneur, stay on top of that? Well, people like Jeff and the team at Sociological are that answer. And that's where I really think uh, Jeff's company can plug in to these marketing agencies and other companies where you know, somebody needs their eye to keep their eye on that ever-evolving uh you know, social sphere that it's, that's out there. It, it just doesn't stop growing. The amazing tools and the amazing way to connect. Uh, so I've been leaning heavily on Jeff for that. And the cool thing is because of this company, it is it is web-based. You know, you can be anywhere as a client mm-hmm. and, and, and interact with Sociological. Um, so my biggest takeaway, I would say, um, is social media is not social billboard. Uh, we all do it. We all, And there's nothing wrong with promoting. Um but if, if you are getting into social media for, for advertising sake, you're wasting your dollars. Uh, if you're getting into social to be social and sharing a little bit of what you're doing and promoting and create a little bit of a pull attractiveness uh, to your company and your brand, awesome. But your motivation can't be, let's go out and uh, advertise uh, everything that we're doing on social and, and see how successful that is. That's just not the way it was built or, mm-hmm. or set up and most likely going to be a waste of money. So that's one of my takeaways. Okay, cool. You? Ah, I was wondering if you'd help me segue. Dave, uh, what what would be one of your uh, Well, takeaways? thank you, Jeff. Uh, or Greg. <laughs> no, you know, uh, growing, the growing, up, have... growing up, everybody called me Jeff. <laughs> oh. Well, Jeff, did people go. call you Greg growing up at all? Yeah, I had a brother, Greg. Okay, well, yeah. I, I I don't know why everybody thought my name was Jeff. He's not supposed to be in the. He's not supposed to be here. We're doing we're doing. He's not here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, not here, is he? So my my uh, well, it's, I guess maybe uh, something I'm just reminded of, and it kind of it aligns with some stuff I talked about before with a with the previous guest. It's nice when um, when you're talking with someone and they're they're they they line up with their message. So I see you, Jeff. I see. Oh, he's not here, right? So I see Jeff practicing what he preaches, and that. From a from gaining influence with me personally is big, and I would expect because and you know and like so for example in the coaching space we say beware of the coach who has no coach, 
You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, if you're, you know, if we say coaching is this fabulous thing and we're not investing in it ourselves, how credible are you? Right. Yeah. Um, in Jeff's case, um, I know for a fact he's, he's, a, he's applying a lot of what he's uh, most hopefully what he's doing. The other thing is I really like how he simplified the message to help uh, um, for those of us, I'm going to say myself, who was a bit of a neophyte who doesn't completely understand the space. Uh, I'm curious, want to, but you know, I've just been bumping up against it, trying on my own, and then to have that simplified, and and then uh, and I think how he's positioning sociological and what what it can do and how, how it offers, I think that's very cool, and it's just a good message. It's a good reminder for me to try to do the same thing in my space. So that would be my takeaway. It's logical to be social, Dave. Yes. Uh, well, this is, this has been great. Yeah, yet another uh, fantastic boiling point uh, interview. I love all of them, uh, and uh, this is no exception. Uh, thanks, Jeff. I know you're not here with us in the studio, but you're listening to us at home. We really appreciate uh, you being on the podcast. And oh my gosh, he's here. He's, he's still here. He is sweating. He's just he's melted though. Do you know what? For the show notes, we will take a picture right now of uh, what Jeff looked like before we started. And yes, yeah, good. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, thanks everybody. Please share this podcast because there's always value and. Uh, as as uh, sociological says, uh, it, you know it's it's a share thing. So well, and share we're, we're going to be measuring the 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 amount of impact and influence this particular podcast has being connected to sociological. Right? Oh yeah, be able to tell many things. Actually, we we should we should get Jeff to do a measurely report on how. I'll do that. Okay, I can do that. Good. Okay. Wow, okay. what we got? That's the objective we're looking for. Okay, yeah, this is the sound of a high five. Oh. <laughs> okay. See you next week. Hey, Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.